Hey, it's Andy Jenkins. Welcome back to the podcast. I am up here. It is it is Monday. Now, I generally record these on a completely different day. I, I created, let me give, just give you a little bit of insight into how my brain works. Uh, I, I'm not saying this is good. I'm just saying this is what it is. This is, this is how it goes. All right. So about to, I, I guess it was 12 to 18 months ago, it suddenly dawned on me that I have a lot of different projects that are concurrently happening. So uh, some of those projects I'm not even involved with now, and there are new projects that have moved up to the forefront, but a lot of things going on. And in order to keep them all moving forward, you kind of have to push this project down the field a little bit, this one down the field a little bit, that one down the field a little bit. And it's not like they're all just my project where I could just jump in do it and stay in it until it's done. If you watched me on video uh, renovating my house a couple years ago, that's really what I did. I I jumped in early November and I started working on the house and stayed in it until the renovation was complete. It was complete maybe five weeks later, right before Christmas, it was done. I stayed in it, it was mine. And, And other things that I was doing, I was doing uh, some meetings for some veterans on the PTSD project, was doing a little bit of writing, all those kind of things just fit around the predominant thing that I was doing just, just for me, just for my family, which was the house. Uh, when COVID hit and all of the sudden, late spring, I, I get this idea, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour the slab for the basketball court and then decide... Uh, you know, Beth and I were talking about at that time getting married. And instead of adding a deck to the already pretty sizable deck that, that we had here, you know, we discussed, hey, if we're going to get married, we got all these kids. It'd really be nice if they weren't sleeping on top of each other, like in a battleship or something. If they had space to to stretch out or if they had... Uh, space in the house, even when, when they have friends over and when we're all over here, we're, we're, yeah, there's big enough space we can gather as a family, but there's also all these different nooks of big space where people can just relax and just be present, right? So we decided that what we needed was not more outdoor living space. We just poured this big slab. We didn't need a bigger deck. I still want one, <laughs> to be honest with you, and we'll enjoy it at some time. But what we really needed was just more inside living space. And what, what a lot of people don't know is that that house, it's about 1,200 square feet. We call it the tiny house just because one of the little boys got his opposites messed up and thought that the opposite of big is not small. The opposite of big is tiny. And so we have, you know, a big car and a tiny car. And we have a normal house and a smaller than the normal house that's a tiny house. That tiny house was originally going to be built uh, really 30 feet from the main house so that we could at some point put a pool right there on the courtyard that we built. Um, But once we decided to get married and thought, let's pull the trigger, we maneuvered and flipped all of that around. And so connected the tiny house to the main house with the bridge. That's where all of that came from. So when I went in to build the tiny house, yeah, I was all in. And so for about a three month period, 
I was all in. I did it every single day. Everything else fit around that. And it was during COVID, so that helped. Here's, here's really what that leads me to is, is now, and most of the time, you don't have the luxury of only doing one thing at a time. Most of the time, you've got a lot of stuff going on. You've got uh, stuff with, with friends. You've got uh, things going on in your faith life, your faith community. You've got a lot of things happening with work, with your field, with your career. You have sometimes, some of you have multiple things with career. I have multiple things going on, uh, really career work-wise. You have multiple things going on. If you've got kids, my goodness, it's like every kid that you have adds, you know, 50 to 75% more time and energy required to your schedule. And you could just kind of extrapolate that and see like why we get spread so thin. And you're, you're managing all of that. And so what I did is I got this little notebook. It, it's a little, I think it's about a three and a half by five. You, you can hear it right there. Okay, paper. So even though a lot of what I do, like podcast courses, a lot of that's digital, I still, even now, amidst all the technology, rely on paper. Uh, so I decided... I went in early on and realized every... Let me just look at it. Every Sunday is virtually the same. AM is the same. PM is the same. So I just wrote it down in this little notebook. Hey, every Sunday afternoon, here's what I do. I do a weekly review. I also look at the bills and finances. Uh, and then I look at a couple things that I have going on that week. Every Monday is the same. Every Monday morning, here are the things I do. Every Monday afternoon, here are the things that I do. So the details kind of slot out differently. Every Tuesday, the same. Tuesday mornings are the same. Tuesday afternoons are the same. And, and here's what it does by doing that. I kind of created what I'm getting at is the perfect week. It gives me a bucket. It gives me a slot. It gives me a block where I know that if I have certain things to do, like the video that I just rendered, I know that that video, the space for the videos like the one that you just heard the little doo-doo in the background, like that always happens on Monday afternoons. And so if something comes up Thursday that I want to do, man, I just write it down and just know, hey, I got, I've got a block of time on Monday afternoon when I can do that. And so this is how I've been able to manage a lot of different projects and how to keep things moving forward is just to break it down into small, actionable items. And, and that's really one of the things I want to talk to you about today. I just got back over the weekend we had, uh, and by the way, I, I really tried to design four days a week instead of five work days because there is always something that happens. There's there's always a longer meeting that occurs. There There's always, like happened this week, and we had the great opportunity to go up to Nashville, Tennessee for Ula Palooza. Ula Palooza is the once a year big life development, personal development workshop that my friends Dave Braun and Troy Amdahl, known as the Ula guys, uh, put on. It's this, just you, you sit down and for two year, two, two days, you set aside time to just plan and work on you and your dreams and your goals and the things that are most important for you to give them the time and space they deserve to move life forward 
uh, in my words, from where you are now to where you're designed to be. And, and that's something that you do really every single year. And in fact, I, I do that a little bit more regularly because you keep tracking and making progress. So I decided what I was going to do today is sit down and really think, articulate, ponder what is one or two of the big takeaways from the weekend? What is something that I would want to pass on? And and so I've done this before when I get back from an advance event. I used to go down and just kind of give my top 10 or my top seven or there wasn't a set number. It was just like whatever it came out to was what it came out to. But here's, here's, here's one of the things that I, I came up with in the last weekend and, I, and I'll tell it to you by way of a semi-funny story um, that'll kind of roll right into it. it it's, here it is. is Oh, geez. Okay, so I try to figure out how to crank this one off. That That's the advantage of like uh, unscripted podcast. So I go in there the second day. And I walk upstairs, and I'm there early. We've we've got two girls with us. Uh, Beth and I had gone. One of one of our uh, one of the goals that I've set for us is to get away once a quarter, overnight for the weekend, somewhere. And it's cool if it's a trip like this. You know, two months ago, three months ago, we went to Vegas. That was a work trip. We also had some free time. This one, we we're going to Nashville. Uh, the plan was to spend Friday and Saturday uh, doing this event. We were going to go up Thursday, hang out together, stay over through Sunday, hang out together. That was all part of the plan, all part of what we were going to do. But last minute, uh, one of the girls, the 18-year-old, decides she wants to go. And because she had gotten involved with doing some work-related things with ULA, we thought, man, this, this will be a great opportunity. Let's take her. We can schedule another weekend. We'll go out of town. And so let's take her. Oh, and she wants to bring her friend. Okay, yeah, that'll be even better. Let's like that'll be super. She'll have a person she can hang out with. Let's do it. Now, the the end result of that is we had a phenomenal time. It was great, lots of incredible memories, lots of time to connect. The interim of it was Beth and I had reserved a one room hotel room. Now, sometimes we'll get somewhere, we'll end up with like extra space, like with a little living room and a bedroom or a hotel room that's kind of like a semi-suite where there's just extra space that has a couch. You kind of know what I'm talking about. But in this one, I had intentionally made us a reservation about a block and a half from the event venue. I did not book it where the room block was, where everyone else would be, because again, we're trying to get some alone time. So we're going to not stay in the same hotel with everyone else. Uh, we're going to park the car and leave it, not drive it, not get it out. We are going to get up, walk to the event, enjoy the event, hang out together, and then walk back. And I knew I was booking at a boutique hotel that was not not really expensive. It was just convenient, had incredible, the Moxie is the name of it, in Nashville. It had an incredible first floor. I mean, the ground floor, you literally walked in off the street right there. The check-in is at this little bar where, you know, you could get bourbon or beer or some incredible coffee. 
they had this huge table set out. I mean, it would sit like 16 people. You could hang out at that. There were couches and nooks with couches and even uh, private rooms with like sliding doors that you could get in and have quiet space to work. There was a little television section. They had this massive TV where I watched part of the Alabama-Georgia game for you know 20 minutes or so of that on Saturday. They, it was this great place, but it had been remade out of a records storage warehouse. Probably actual vinyl records, not like written records, because it's Nashville, right? And that meant all of the rooms, as advertised, were tiny, like the tiny house. I mean, ultra small. So because it was me and her, I just booked us a king room. They don't, they don't have suites or anything at this hotel. So I booked us a king room, which, according to the pictures had barely enough space around the bed to even walk around the bed. You are paying for a place that is convenient to sleep and the cool factor of being where you are and the cool factor of all of the amenities they have in this building, all of that, but you are not paying to have a massive room where you can just hang out and enjoy. That really, that really defeats the purpose. And so... We're there on our way, and all of a sudden, you know, we realize, gosh, I, I've got two more people coming. I, I need to book uh, more, more space. I need to upgrade this room to get, like, two queen beds because I've got, like, two 18-year-old girls coming with us. Or I need to see, like, is there an adjoining room? Or is there, like, or is there just, maybe we need to change hotels. Can't do any of that because everything in Nashville, because they have a Predators hockey game, because they have multiple concerts, because they have this big event, and because it's Nashville, it's downtown. And everybody is so excited to be over COVID. Everybody is getting out to let it all hang out. The result is... We have four people going into a room. We walk in, and I mean, the, the straight up quick, I posted it on social media earlier today and emailed it out to people on my list, you know, just kind of the update for the weekly top seven. As we stayed in this room, and the result was three ladies in the bed, you know, Beth, my wife, uh, and our 18-year-old, and her good friend in the king bed, I'm on the floor. My mom, she, you know, gets my email. She replied back. She was being funny, had a little happy face emojis. And she said, I would have slept on the bed and put the girls on the floor. And I replied back and I was like, well, it wasn't just being nice. It was literally, there was only space in the floor for one person. You couldn't fit two people on the floor. That's how tight the room was. And so we got there. We endured it, we made it work, and we had this great time where everybody creates, works on their version of their best life. And, and that's really, it, it kind of leads me to this. It seems like that was like a 15-minute intro about dreams, one of the big ideas that we worked on at this event is what is the dream that you have for yourself? Not, not just in one area of life, but in multiple areas of life. Like, what, what, what is the dream for you have 
for yourself in the area of your health and or in the area of your finance? What is the dream that you have for your family? What's the vision that you have? Big picture. And, and I don't mean small. So often we dream really, really tiny, like, like, like the like the tiny house. They're smaller than, I'm convinced, the greatness of God that's been put inside of you. The scripture says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives, dwells, is the word the scripture uses. It's a, that seems like a more powerful word, dwells inside of you. That same resurrection power, the dream that is inside of you, should be colossal. It, it should be a little bit, oh, I don't, I don't know if I could actually do that. I don't know if I could actually achieve that, particularly when you get other verses like Paul reminding us that it's that the places where we're weak, it's when we run out of strength that then the supernatural empowerment kicks in, and in that moment, he is strong. And so we spent this time writing down all of these dreams what is it? You really ponder through. And my guess is, for most of us, we kind of live life by default, not design. And if there is a design, so often we live based on someone else's design, another person's dream for us, not necessarily the dreams that we have for ourselves. And the secondary thing would be, if you don't have a dream for yourself, rest assured you will end up serving someone else's. And I don't even mean that in a malicious way. Like somebody's, well, I'll take you. You don't have any time for yourself or you haven't come up with this yourself. No, it's just, that's just kind of what will happen because the time will get filled. It will get occupied somehow by you doing something productive, whether it propels you forward or propels someone else forward. So we started really thinking through what are the dreams that you have in fitness, in in your your financial life? What what is it for your family? What's the vision that you have for your faith life? What what is it that you would like to see happen with your with your career or whatever it is that you're doing to earn an income instead of just taking the doors that open as they open. And maybe that's what you got to do for a season, but really thinking longer term, like where do I really see myself? What is my unique contribution that I'm created uniquely by God as a unique, unrepeatable miracle of God here on this planet for just a time as this by the one who knows the times and seasons and ordains when people and where people should live. What is that impact? What's my dream for that? What is it that he's put inside of me? What about, what about relationships and friendships? Am I, am I just going to take that or am I going to, like as it comes, or do I proactively look forward to engaging and connecting in some rich and full and intentionally living it out type of way? We, we did all of that. And then as we envision that, we then did something that we do at the very beginning of the advanced book. In fact, I'm going to put a link down in the show notes below where you can download um, access to the LifeLift app, the new app, and then you can stumble right in there and listen to the advanced book totally free. The audiobook is in 
the app totally free. So we start at that point after you've got the dream, building a roadmap to get to that dream. Now, that might take you years, it might take you decades, and the way that you get there is by setting, here's the word that so many people react, almost as if it's a four letter, and I get it, it's, it is actually a, it actually is a four letter word, goal, or plural, goals. You set goals, you set milestones that empower you to reach these dreams. Here's the deal with that. We often set our dreams way too small and then set our goals way too high. Or we confuse them and think that they're actually the same thing. Whereas your dream is really, what's the big thing that I want to achieve? What's the big thing that's out there? What is the preferred vision of the future? The preferred vision of the future might be something with your health where when you know you get to my age, like I'm starting to think, okay, like at some point, the next five to 10 years, there might be grandkids. I want to be able to be fully alive, you know, and vibrant to play with the grandkids. I want to, at this age, where I'm at now, and at that age, be able to wrestle, to outlift, to outrun my teenage boys. Right right now, I'm there. At some point, they're going to be stronger, right? But I still want to be able to keep up, okay? So, so like, health-wise, that. So, you take the dream, and then you whittle that down into what are the goals they're going to help me reach that. And the goal could be just an actual one-shot, done goal, or it could be a progressive goal. It could be something where you uh, escalate it up by you hit this benchmark, and then you hit the next benchmark, and then you hit the next benchmark, and then the next one, and then the, the next one. And those goals really should be, here's the format that they teach, SMART, S-M-A-R-T specific, meaning I am going to lose 10 pounds. Measurable, how many pounds? 10 pounds. Like that's specific, like those kind of fit together with the S and and the M. Accountable, I'm going to let somebody hold my feet to the fire on this and say, hey, whoa, 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 like, um, missing your exercise routine is not congruent with this and, or eating this, like that doesn't measure up or like, this is not on the same, you know, specific, measurable, accountable, realistic. I'm going to lose 10 pounds. I'm going to lose 10 pounds, not 50. Cause I don't think I have 50 that I could lose at one time in my life. I did specific, measurable, accountable, realistic and time bound, I'm going to lose 10 pounds by January the 1st. Okay. Specific, measurable, accountable, realistic, and time bound. And you go, well, that's, that's too much. Like, I'm not going to do all that. Here's, here's what I think. If, if it's too much is it would be wise for you to go back and go, hey, is that dream of the preferred future really, really mine? Is that something I want to do or is that someone else's dream for me? When you're growing up, it's natural to have other people's dreams 
that you just kind of import and you just kind of take it on. You know, I remember early on when I was a kid, uh, my dad signed me up for baseball. He played baseball when he was little. He was really good at baseball. He played it. I played it when I was in elementary, loved it, enjoyed it, played it for a while. And then at some point I was just like, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, we, we moved from Texas to Birmingham, Alabama, uh, from the summer of my fourth grade year to start my fifth grade year, when it came time to sign up for baseball again, I, I just didn't sign up. Like, I just wasn't interested. My dad could have made me play. I was like, oh, if you don't want to play, like, let's just play something you want to play. I ended up playing soccer every season. Loved it. Wanted to keep playing that, okay? And then got into wrestling and some other things when I got into high school. It's natural when you're a kid to try out things based on your parents signing you up. I mean, in fact, that's how we learn. We sign our kids up and expose them to stuff. You know, hey, try this out for one year. You know, last year, Minnie tried out volleyball. Hey, try it. If you don't like it, no big deal, but try it. She's like, I enjoyed it, but like, I don't think that's my sport. Okay, cool. You tried it. That's natural. What's not natural, though, is when we get into adulthood is to continue living out someone else's dream or someone else's not even dream. Just someone else's, hey, just try this. You might like it. And then you realize, huh. That's not really the script that I want to live for my life. And instead of taking it as a learning experience and then leaving it with the lessons gained and the camaraderie and the teamwork and everything else that you were benefited by from that, we stay stuck. And so what you really need to evaluate is, and so few people take the time to do this, is what is the dream for your life? What, what, what is it that you want in those different key areas of life? And if you think about it, the reality is we probably spend more time planning for vacation or mapping out, you know, Beth and I have been binge watching. And, and I do mean binge watching. <laughs> we've been, we've been watching, like, it's kind of relaxing. Like we, we, we enjoy doing it and we hang out and talk while we're doing it, you know, and, um, and then we might watch for a little while and then go, hey, let's go get something to eat. Or, oh, let's go, you know, do this thing or that thing and then come back. And then what? we've been binge watching 24. And the reality is it's easy to let those things become a diversion and spend more time mapping stuff out like that than we spend planning and mapping life, you know. And this is your life. You have one shot at it, one, one go, a certain limited amount of loops around the sun. And as my dad said several years ago on stage at uh, one, of, one of my events where I'd invited him to come speak, he walked up on that stage and he had this little, it was a little like mister, you know, like when you, like a, you know, when you walk through the shopping mall and if you go by the perfume section, there's always a dude that's got a little spritz bottle that's like spritzing perfume or cologne on cards and then handing them to you. He had one of those little spritz, it was a little plastic bottle, you know, a little 99 cent knockoff thing that you can get from kind of the trial size section at Target or Walgreens or, you know, wherever you'd go to, I don't even know what you'd put in those little misters, but he, but he had one, he walked up on stage and he quoted from the book of James chapter four, where he said, your life, talking to all these men there, your life is a vapor. That's what James says. It's a little, and he squirted it and out blows a little bit of water. 
And it was started kind of being funny. You know, the, 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 he would teach these great truths with a little bit of humor, and all the guys really loved him because he was just so wise and personable. And he would have all this time. I, I would get to these events like a day early. We would make sure everything's there, everything's set up, the sounds right, the walkthrough, you know, everything's go through the schedule. And so all that time when I'm working, he would just go to the coffee shops and read and work on whatever he was working on. Guys would see him, recognize him, and he'd just end up hanging out with them. You know, and I get those reports back from all the guys. Man, I hung out. I got to spend a couple hours with your dad doing this or seeing this or just uh, talking while we were eating. Or, you know, so he gets up there. There's this total connection with the audience, with, with the guys that are listening at this men's event. And he would just squirt it and say, you know, oh, there goes one of you. And then everybody would chuckle. And then he would, oh, there's another one. Oh, there's, you know, there, there goes four of you are gone. And it would hit you that we're laughing, but time is is passing. And you've got one shot at it. Recently, uh, some things have kind of hit me with these goals and these dreams. You know, people tell you this kind of stuff all in your 20s and your 30s, but then you know, it doesn't really click, Right. And I've been doing some work with a friend of mine, Sean Lovejoy, launched Courage to Lead. It is a coaching program, coaching network, coaching platform, coaching group, uh, where he coaches marketplace leaders and ministry leaders alike, both. Sean has done both quite successfully. And one of the things that he says is you've got to prioritize people who will be there with you, not only on your deathbed, but the people that will come see you in the cemetery. And the truth is, a lot of people that clamor for your time right now, a lot of people that clamor for your dreams right now, a lot of people who want you to serve their dreams right now, a lot of those people, if you died tomorrow, and he speaks with pastors, if you died on a Saturday, on Sunday, they're still going to have church. And they're not going to come see you in the cemetery. And it's how do you live a life where you grab hold the balance of everything that God has crafted and created for you uniquely to do. You know, Ephesians 2 says, grace saves you for by grace you're saved, not of works so that none of you can boast, Paul says. And then he goes on, but God did this and planned this in advance because there are great works that he foreordained for you to walk in. The grace saves you. The grace also empowers the great works that God has planned for you. How do you identify the plans that he has for you, which are probably not plans at the expense of the people that matter the most, the people who he's uniquely brought into your realm of influence, the people that would see you in the cemetery, the people that you would share a tiny hotel room with to bring this thing back around full circle. And so often we spend so much more time planning everything else than those unique dreams, those unique goals, the milestones along the way to those dreams of what that life should be. 
Uh, we, we've got a debrief, uh, you know, Beth and I did, because she was working on her stuff, I was working on mine. Remarkably, a lot of them were really on the same page, which is great. But we got a debrief because one of the things that we've been talking about lately is what, what do we want? We, we've kind of crafted our physical space, our house, right, on purpose, intentionally. And she reminds me every now and then, like, something will kind of go haywire, you know, with life. <laughs> and, you know, there'll be a little tiny crisis, and she'll be like, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. there's nothing going on in life right now that you and I didn't together choose (laughs) like everything that's going on in life right now is stuff that we've been proactively selecting and one of those things is selecting what what do we want the family to look like in five years ten years a year from now what are some of the traditions that we want to keep now that lead us and carry us well into the future what do we want the income streams to look like now so that we can travel and spend time with each other and with some of these other kids what are what are some of the connections that we want what do we want the relationships to look like with them and us 10 years down the road 15 years down the road how do we facilitate how do we foster that right now and what does that mean that vacations look like and what does that mean that weekends look like and what does that mean that some of the other time that we spend and share together looks like and do we just kind of Uh, let these times just kind of pass by and like just take what comes with it? Or is there a balance there? Maybe sometimes the stuff is really structured and sometimes it just gets to be whatever it is, you know? And the beauty of it is, is you've got one shot at life, one, one shot, and you got people in your corner to whom you matter that also matter to you And you've got this time, this energy to get it right and to realize that the one who created you, who created you in his mind thousands of years before, the scripture actually says, before time began, he knew you in your mother's womb. And at that time had foreordained all the days that you had lived and Paul says had set him aside, set you aside in Galatians 1 for a great purpose. That even includes before any of the mistakes, the steps, missteps, misfires that you made. And those gifts, those callings of God are irrevocable. And I just believe that there is something wonderful for you to experience. That's that's what I took. That's the reflection from the weekend. All right, my prayer for you as I sign off every single time is that the Lord would bless you. He would keep you. His great face of favor would shine radically upon you that you would see, sense, and feel the dream for which you were created in all those areas of life and that he would empower you to break it down into mile steps to where you can step by step every single day knowing that he's created you for great works. Yet as Proverbs says, the steps of a righteous person, the steps in the day are ordered by God. Grace, peace, take the next best step. I'll see you soon.